0: Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the world of work and how creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and rule breakers infuse their daily lives with creativity and curiosity. Fun fact, today's guest was the very first person I interviewed over eight years ago when I started Getting Work to Work. Cliche statement aside, it's incredible how things change over time. Thank the maker I sound less frightened, more relaxed, And honestly, a better editor. But enough about me, this is about today's guest, Benjamin Ironside Coppin. As Ben describes himself, he is a Swiss Army Knife filmmaker who directs and produces independent films and runs 1988 Films, a film distribution company with his wife. In this conversation, we talk about Pastor's Kid, his latest film coming to theaters on March 15th, 2024. Ben shares behind-the-scenes stories, the challenges of bringing an indie movie to theaters, and how hard it was to make an R-rated Christian film that didn't fall into genre tropes. We also touch on what makes the best art, the artist's power, how he handles good and bad reviews, and the age-old creative question, should I be a generalist or a specialist? No matter your beliefs, I hope this conversation with Ben will encourage you in your creative journey show notes for this episode can be found at GWTW.co 763. While you're there, you'll also find the entire podcast archive, links to the short documentary series and weekly newsletter, and the latest merch to show your love and support of the show. Ben, welcome back to Getting Work to Work. I, I took some notes here just so that I could wrap my brain around the last oh time boy. I had you on the podcast. You were actually the very first interview of the
1: show. No, I don't believe it.
0: Yes. Episode 12, (laughs) August 15th, 2016. And it was the only interview in 2016. So welcome back eight years later. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to be here, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) As always, I love talking to you, buddy. Always, always. Likewise. It, well, it's funny because I'm like, didn't I have him on again? And then I have that other podcast that I do, and I I had I had you on that show as as well. So I'll I'll put that link in the notes so people can listen to our glorious conversations across Dude. the years,
1: across the eras. They, I love it. I feel like we still talked about the same films back then because we were still working on the same films <laughs> back then. <laughs>
0: Right. Isn't that how it works, though? I mean, people think that you get an idea for a movie and immediately it just comes out perfect and fully formed and Instagram ready.
1: There you go. Exactly. Cut all your 30 second spots and put them out there and get all your social media traction. Can't AI do that for us? Yeah, exactly. don't don't put that out there chris don't do it they can't know no, it's actually crazy, there are dude. podcast
0: platforms that will choose clips for you and all that it's oh, just boy. Like, but that's the fun
1: that's part of the fun actually is like finding right. clips that could be used exactly exactly well you got to figure out how you want to how you pre- want to present yourself and you can't have the robots doing that for you you know they right. pick the worst clips
0: Yeah. I mean, if anything, I want the robot to dress me.
1: I mean, that's,
0: (laughs) I really need help in that department. So that could be
1: useful. There you go. A robot, an AI fashion stylist would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I could, I can afford
0: that. There you go. That's
1: awesome. Well, then in
0: eight years, I, I found a really enjoyable question that I love asking people. Oh, boy. And, uh, it is, what are you endlessly curious about?
1: Oh, dude. I think that that is such an interesting question. I'll have to think about it for a second. What am I endlessly curious about? I think the idea for me, and I hope this uh, this answers the question or applies, is the idea of, like, I love how through, especially like art and storytelling, especially film is like my passion, my heart, how you can tell stories where people are completely unrelated to it, completely different lifestyles, completely different childhoods, completely different everything. And you can tell stories through film where people get to step into the shoes of someone who is drastically different from them um, and experience what they're going through, feel some aspect of what they're going, and find empathy, forgiveness, respect, love for people who are drastically different than them. And so that's something I am endlessly curious about is... How can we keep pushing that? How can we keep telling those stories? Because I think some art is meant to entertain and some art is meant to inform. And I think the Mm -hmm. best art does both. Mm -hmm. Um, It holds both at equal weight. And I find those types of stories to be the ones that impact me the most. And so I desperately want to try to tell stories like that and make films like that that can do both of those things. Is it's not just meant to entertain you and be silly or or you know edgy or whatever and it's not meant mm-hmm. to just be a documentary that's solely informing but it's meant to do both. <laughs> right. So yeah, and I, th- I think that's such a struggle. It's so hard nowadays where it's like if you if you go to inform then things feel like propaganda and like they're shoving right. things down your throat. If you yeah. go to entertainment, then it becomes there's no stakes and there's no real weight to anything and so you have to hold both of those at an equal weight. And mm-hmm. I think that's really tricky. And I think we're seeing, unfortunately, less and less films that are grappling with that and taking those risks nowadays, as it's either, or oh, we're fully just entertaining and trying to get the popcorn money, or things feel very much like propaganda and it's shoved down your throat. And I think mm-hmm. the, the the best of both worlds is both, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, I hope that answers your question.
0: Oh, it's great. And immediately what I think about, too, is the artist's role in all of that, because, as an artist who steps into someone else's world to tell their story, you know, sometimes we can be like overshadowing and try to use our personalities to be like, I get you, you know, and, right. you, you know right. as opposed to, I don't understand you, but I'm here. You right. know? And I think there's, there's a power in the artist to be able to know when to wield the ego for good and when to just, you know, shut up and listen.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. And I think even the aspect of just choosing to be open, like spiritually and emotionally and creatively, of just being open for learning, open for open for uh, being willing to, to shift a scene or shift a character or adjust something to be more authentic and honest. Um, I think especially like this film Pastor's Kid that we're Releasing here in March, it's like you know I, I I'll constantly brag on our actors, just constantly being open and they, and everyone you know the film deals with religion and faith and the struggle between like authentic faith and hypocritical religion and every actor everybody on set had some sort of baggage they're bringing to the table to this film right you know we've all had certain experiences whether it's traumatic or positive either way and if you know if we lean too hard on one way then we're 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 sh- we're telling the story or guiding the boat too much whereas Mm -hmm. when we're open to allowing the story and the characters to like move us and inform us um it can come off as authentic and each actor like we had multiple times we sit down and talk about like what's your experience of growing up in the church or you know being raised you know in some way um around religion or belief and where are you at now and how do we make sure that like you can reflect aspects of yourself through it but make sure that we're not trying to just crap on religion because of something we had, um, you know, or crap on faith or any of that, but also just be open to being like, what's the honesty between these two worlds, you know, or in these ways Mm -hmm. that we can express. So, but the actors did amazing with that.
0: I love that you had them bring in their baggage. How did you not, how did that not become something that to use your words, just crap on it all, because, you know, it's great to talk about those things, but how did you transform it into that powerful mesh of entertainment and, you know, informant?
1: Well, I think that's what's beautiful. Honestly, a lot of it was like sending music to people. I think music Mm -hmm. and as silly as like, you know, I, you know, I was raised with, you know, in the church, I was raised a Christian. I've heard, you know, all the Michael W. Smith, Toby (laughs) Max, you you know, you're raised with all this. And so over time, I've kept like a back catalog in my head of like songs and things that I felt like honestly, like articulated what belief meant to me. You know mm. what I mean? Because like I, I was the kind of kid that was raised in a Baptist church where a girl was like kicked out of youth group for having a lip ring. You know, mm. and uh, and I remember, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after that happened, you know, I studied the Bible and was like, yeah, you know, I don't think Leviticus pertains to this. So I went and got a <laughs> lip ring. You know, <laughs> and awesome. so you know, and that's the type of Christian that I was. I, I've always <laughs> been is kind of this idea of like sometimes the church. Doesn't quite get it, but that doesn't mean that we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's still beautiful things that can happen um, through the church and through these things, but there's also a level of accountability. But, um, right. anyways, I, I create a backlog of kind of music and art that I felt like truly expressed what authentic faith looked like to me, and so I shared a lot of that with our actors. And it's so funny because I have such a stigma toward, towards worship music, you know, and I'm kind of like, ah, hey, you know, I like the edgier stuff or like the Christian punk rock or whatnot. <laughs> But our lead actress, she was so inspired by worship music and um, and it really, like, stuck with her, and she even mm-hmm. went to a church service, I, you know, and I suggested, you know, go to a church service, check out a church service somewhere, and don't, don't feel the need to, like, judge, but just come in openly and just see how certain people are moved by certain things, and our lead actress went to a church service, and she was heavily moved by the music, she was heavily moved by how everybody was coming together and worshiping together, um, and I think that can be the beauty of the church, is the church, at least in my mind, is the beauty is it's this, like, kind of melting pot of all different types of people that would not get along normally in the everyday (laughs) world, but you put them in a church together and you have this common belief together. And, and it's this beauty of if, and, and I mean, that's when the church really works for me when I find it to be beautiful. It's like, we're coming together in the name of God, in the name of Christ, as opposed to just going into our own little camps. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's an aspect that she saw as she went to that church. Um, just even just talking to a lot of the other actors that had stigmas towards religion itself. I think a lot of people pushed away have pushed away from religion and the church. Then they do these, t- these times of, I call it like the atheist days, where it's like in college age, in their 20s, there's a little bit of atheism, agnosticism. And then I feel like as you start to creep in a little bit older 20s and your 30s, you start to open yourself up to spirituality again. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's religion or Christianity. Like, you know, specifically, but I feel like all of our actors had like opened themselves up to spirituality. And so we were able to have that conversation of like, if Jesus is the answer for somebody and that is what's saving them or that's, what's helping them process these things. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say no to that idea. Right. And so that's what we score. <laughs> there you go, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but that's what was really cool, is we all kind of had this commonality of coming together, of trying to bring hope and redemption and positivity to the world. And even if we don't agree on every aspect of, of the doctrines of those things, it didn't matter because that was the mission, was to let people know they're not alone in these things. So,
0: yeah. I love that. And and it sounds like it was a a great working environment.
1: Dude, it was awesome. There's, there's one scene, we call it the couch scene, and it's this, like scene that just like is an emotional roller coaster where our character finally starts to kind of break open her heart and share some of the trauma she grew up with. Um and they sing this like uh this Christian we got the rights to this Christian worship song from back in the day with hand motions. Oh it's, wow. you came from he- it's the you came from heaven to earth to show the way. And they have all these like <laughs> hand motions with it. And it's in the scene and it's glorious. Um, but I remember like two people from my crew like coming up to me and just being like it's happening. Like that thing that you're talking about is like happening here, and like God is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving through this moment, and so I feel like once we had that moment, I was just kind of like, I kind of don't really care what other people think of of the film, and when it comes out, like I, I do care. It's like stresses me out, but it's like I know <laughs> yeah. that God led us to tell the story that we're telling in the way that we're telling it, and even if it's not perfect and it has flaws. Um, mm-hmm. I trust that the God is going to use it in some way because there are too many things that happened while making this film that could not just be like, Oh, it just by chance happened. It's like right. God showed up and provided and made it happen. So I don't mean like over Christian and over spiritual. I'm not even that type of guy that over spiritualizes <laughs> things very often, oh, but this is one of those things is like when you're at the end of your rope and you hit a wall and then all of a sudden at that exact moment, something opens up and, and this didn't just happen once or twice. I'm talking like five, 10 times that like you hit a wall and all of a sudden, this this little creek opens up, and you're able, like, creaking the door, and you're able to go through it and continue on with the project. Yeah. So, yeah. well, and you've been
0: working on this for years, kind of <laughs> six years, <laughs> something Is like that. We probably six, started six writing it.
1: Yeah. About six years ago, uh, we shopped it around for a few years and then we decided just to make it ourselves. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we kind of broke it up into like the film is broken up into like, I call it like a day in the life. You know, we have basically a documentary crew drop right into this girl's life as she's wrestling with this kind of religious childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have flashbacks you know triggers throughout the day that kind of trigger her back to experiences she had as a kid and so we shot all the modern day stuff together we had like enough budget to i think shoot for two weeks and so we like got enough people together (laughs) you know we got as much as we could and then we shot as much as we could of the modern day stuff Um and then we planned, I think another two weeks later on, raised more funds, went back and did the flashbacks. And so, you know, but that was even even with those, it was a year apart, six months Mm -hmm. apart, you know. We were trying to edit together the stuff that we had in the modern day and we'd show it to people. And especially in the Christian film world, I'm not gonna I'm gonna try my best not to rag on the Christian film world too much (laughs) because there's good and bad. Right. Of every industry, but at least the people we were talking to just did not see the vision of why are you making a raw R-rated faith film? Like what's the point? Point. and you know we'd express this idea and then we'd show them clips and they'd be like oh that's really cool that's really powerful you know i think it's amazing what you're doing <laughs> like will you help us and they're like no i can't put my name on that thing that thing's too out there for like our brand and you're like and i get it i'm not trying to like rag on them but that was really difficult as every step of the process we tried to find support from you know the christian film world and mm-hmm. uh and we were we were we've been We've been given the runaround by them pretty, or or just negative things. It's like, you know, powerful film, but this is why it's not going to work. Or this is extremely Mm -hmm. powerful, but this is why it's not going to work. And you're over here just like, but if we're not trying it, guys, if we're not being creative and exploring these things that we don't know, and I think, honestly, Chris, sorry, this will hopefully wrap up that question of how long it's taken to do it is I also feel like is a God thing. Because if we had released this film after we'd shot it like several years ago, I right. don't think audiences would have been ready. I think that mm. they would have said, Christian, R.A. Christian film, I don't want that. But I think with some films that have come out since then, like Jesus Revolution or The Chosen Mm -hmm. or even like Father Stu, Mark Wahlberg did an R-rated faith film called Father Stu. I think audiences are prepared now that are like, I'm open to this thing. And even on the flip side, that's Christian audiences. On the flip side, people not of faith I think want to talk about faith more than ever before that I've seen. I think COVID and some things that happened really right. opened up this idea of like, I want to have these discussions about religion and belief and God and the universe, however you want to put it. And so I think that people not of faith are excited to start having these discussions. So again, I see it as a God thing. That's like if our film had been released and gotten done in a timeframe we had hoped, I think it wouldn't have connected how it's connecting now. Mm. So anyways,
0: What's interesting too is, is like, what I'm hearing you say is, is making a film in the Christian faith, how do you not make it what people think of as a Christian film?
1: Right. Right. And, (laughs) and that's what was so funny is like, honestly, like going into it with our actors and, and people is like, you know, none of them watch Christian movies. So none of them had any like expectations or thoughts of what a christian film should be mm-hmm. so you know it's like to them it's like not really a thing like you're not like you know you're not really doing something different necessarily or anything <laughs> right. like that whereas me who's like i've grown up as a christian i've seen so many christian films for better for worse i'll put it that way um <laughs> you know like I, I often talk about like you know our movie as a whole would be like the first 15 minutes of like a god's not dead movie it's like you would have her like Saved and like you know, oh, she's a drug addict and doing these drug things, and then you know, at minute five she's like saved, and at minute fifteen she's like saving the world and doing all this stuff. And it's like no, it's like our movie, the entire movie is just her heart being slowly broken open to the mm-hmm. idea of can I, can I, you know, um, explore belief again? Can I explore faith again with all this trauma and things I've had? Is that the, the direction I want to go? And just giving it enough time and space that we're not rushing through it and making the the whole, um, you know, where she ends that we're not making that feel rushed or forced or cheesy, that mm-hmm. it's just like at the end I wanted, my goal with this film is at the end, I wanted someone who, um, is not a Christian to watch the film and at the end say, I hope she finds faith and I hope she changes her mm-hmm. life around. And that was kind of the goal going into it is that like watching her story, you don't want to see her continue to go down the road. She's going down. You want to see her have a life change of some kind. <sighs> So, anyways,
0: I love what you just said. I hope she finds faith at the end. Not, I hope you find faith at the end. Right, that's the difference right there.
1: Right, right. Well, and that's oh. the thing too. Is like even as we were making the film, like I had scenes in there that that kind of had more detail and explained some more stuff, and and as our budget got tightened, I had to get rid of them, and so it left more space for. um I would say like empty space or silent moments that are in the story Mm -hmm. and not answering all the questions. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, originally was really bummed about that as we were filming it. But as I watched, I just watched the final cut that we're sending to theaters the other week. And I was just like having that space and not giving those answers allows the audience then, to, it's not about this girl's story it's not about you know trying to force you into her journey or anything like that it's about you being able to watch this film and hopefully put your own burdens into this mm-hmm. film and say man i remember that as a kid or i had these mm-hmm. moments growing up in youth group or you know i struggled with this way with my parents or this or this and and it allows it to to bring the audience in and ask these questions as opposed to saying here's the perfect answers for right. an every piece of detail in this person's story, you know? So right. I'm hoping that that's what helps it have conversation is that someone can watch the film and then sit with a friend and be like, yeah, I remember in youth group when this happened and it was kind of weird or this happened and this kind <laughs> of you know, weird or this judgy lady told me this thing, you know, it's like, and debrief some of those things, feel seen through that, so.
0: Wow, that's powerful. I think that's the power of art right there is that, willingness to project ourselves into these situations and hopefully heal from some judgy comments that we've all heard. Right.
1: right. Well, even like we sent it off to a reviewer and they were talking about like that couch scene um, that I you know expressed where it's like, they're kind of having this dialogue and talk like literally they talk about their youth group experiences in this couch scene, you know, kind of growing up and in, in that culture a little bit. And, uh, and the reviewer sent me a note back and they were like, I've had this literal conversation with so many people. (laughs) I never thought I would ever see it on screen before because that's what, you know, when you find someone else that was raised in the church, you'll start to talk about some of this stuff and you'll talk about certain traumas or things. Yeah. And not all of it is negative. There's some cool stuff. Like I remember youth group ski trips or overnights and there's good and bad to all of that, you know, it's like, and at the end of the day, you have to give, and I have to give the church grace and the parents grace. They're trying to create a safe environment, right. For kids to grow and all that. Um, but there could be good and bad with that, you know, things that happen. <laughs> right. but, uh, but the goal was that, you know, people who have kind of like deconstruction, right? That's kind of the hip term mm-hmm. right now is everyone's right. religious deconstructing. And my hope was that people who are deconstructing can watch our film and feel seen and feel heard. And, 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 and on the flip side, that that they can feel seen and heard and not feel like they have to just throw belief and spirituality at like a, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater that they can okay. still explore those things despite the traumas that they had growing up in those ways. It's like, and I think there's a healthy amount of like, everyone needs to make their faith and their belief their own. Mm-hmm. So there can be a healthy amount of deconstruction. That I think everybody needs to go through. And I'm sure you've experienced the same thing where it's like, you're raised with certain things. And then as you grow mm-hmm. up, you're over here like, I'm not sure that's even in the Bible. I'm not sure that's even <laughs> right. interpreted correctly. But it was a Christian cultural thing that was mm-hmm. put on me that I thought was God's word when really it was people's opinions or people's like, you know, what they thought was best. And and a lot of times often I would say that thankfully the people in my life, they weren't coming at it from like a an evil standpoint. It's just what they they were raised with. It's just the stuff right. that was put on them that they're passing down. And I, I think the beauty of this deconstruction culture is that we're reframing what does Christianity mean? What does the Bible Mm -hmm. actually say? And let's not take all these voices as truth, but let's study these things for ourselves. And then we can come back with a a more honest view of the Bible instead of just don't cuss, don't sleep around and don't do drugs. It's like, you know, like (laughs) and anyways, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I feel like that's what the bulk of youth group was for me. was like a lot of (laughs) don'ts and not like, well, how did Christ actually live? And how did Christ actually call us to live? And what does it mean to really love your enemies? You know, it's like, what are those, th- those are the harder, tougher questions that aren't just this like, didn't say the F word today, mark that box off, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, anyways, I did it. I'm a good oh, Christian now. <laughs> yes. Failed that <laughs> oh. one again. Oh, crap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I even remember. Do you remember this? And I feel like our age—it was like you don't say the S word. You say sh- what? Shoot or like? And I feel mm-hmm. like even crap and sucks were two that were like kind of mm-hmm. on the edge for a while. And Gateway now with Christian words, yeah, it was. And now and now it's just like socially accepted. It's like as a Christian, you're cool to say like sucks and crap are like okay. But for a while, it was like I don't know. And so it's just very, very funny. <laughs> so, anyways,
0: <laughs> through the journey of making this film, how did it? affect you as the filmmaker? How did it change you? Because um, that's probably the, sometimes the story that doesn't get as much airtime as mm-hmm. the the marketing around a film is yep. the impact on the people.
1: So there's this saying, and I'm going to try to quote it properly. It's what is it? I haven't it written on my wall, but it's art is the collaboration between God and the artist and the less the artist does the better. And so it's that idea of just like letting go or allowing things to happen or going with the flow and not holding things so tightly. And -hmm. with this film, I had to do that. It's like, even, you know, we wrote the script. We loved the script. We had uh, a financier that wanted to fund the full script, right? was like all in on it, but then they, they ended up falling through. So then you're over here, like, do we wait another year? And so, you know, keep searching and keep talking or do we try to raise funds? So then we raise our own funds, but that cuts the budget, you know, so then you're adjusting the script and it's not what you want. I remember being in production and then we wanted to, I really wanted to hire a DP for this one, but we got like quotes from DPs that I love that I wanted to work with and there's no way we could afford the DP. So, <laughs> you know, I work as a cinematographer myself in commercials and so I was like, okay, I'll direct and DP this thing. Um, and so I decided to DP it and so, you know, we're halfway through production up in L.A. We rented these houses and all this stuff like in the Hollywood area. And I remember going to my wife after a few days and just be like, it looks awful. I like hate how I'm shooting this movie. Like, should we just stop? Like, should we just stop? And she's just <laughs> like my and my wife was a co-writer and she's a producer on the project. She's like, listen, we got to keep going. We've got to keep going. She's like what you're and and then the next day was the day that we shot that couch scene that mm-hmm. everybody was like, something's happening here, bro. Something's happened. And I'm just like, thank God that my ego didn't get in the way of like, I had this quality and this, this look that I wanted to have. And, um, and I had to start just saying, okay, God, like, we're just going to tell it however you want to tell it. And it's going to get done however it's going to get done with the goal that we're, we're making this to just have like have people feel seen and heard. It has a purpose and the purpose isn't how pretty the shot is. The purpose is the story that we're telling. And so for me, it was huge letting go of the ego, and, uh, and, and not that having a quality standard is a bad thing, because I do think we hit a quality standard that I'm, I'm very proud of now. But in the moment, I couldn't see it. You know what I mean? I couldn't see that p- right. the tone shifted from the movie I was hoping for to something a little different. And and I believe that that new tone and the new style really helped the film feel a little bit more grounded and realistic. Whereas if I'd made it more polished, would it have felt like? a a normal Christian film you know what I mean or or now that it's a little bit more gruff and dirty and grimy and there's sometimes the ISO was a little too high (laughs) so you're getting more noise you know in the frame the the image that I wanted but I'm just like I added some film texture to hopefully fix that but you're like does that add more to the tone of of the story and so just letting God that whole collaborating with God and just saying okay I'm going to release my expectations and just let's go and play and try mm-hmm. to find honest moments and hopefully it it connects with people so. Yeah. How do you,
0: how do you take that approach though to the commercial world where ISO has to be per- nailed, the shots have to be perfect. Because uh, you work a lot with you know beauty and makeup products as well, mm-hmm. so I mean that's a perfection-driven industry.
1: Yep, that's right. I, I say in the beauty world, I don't ever get to use shadows. Shadows are a bad word, and in the narrative world, I can use all the shadows I want. So that's kind of <laughs> the way I I do it a little bit. It's just like everything's flat, everything's lit bright in the commercial <laughs> space. It's not. It's not my opinion. It's what the client wants. So you just default right. to like. You give your notes, you give your thoughts, and if they get rejected, you say, whatever you guys want, I'll do it. But it's so hard where (laughs) where when you're making your own film, there's no producer or anyone to go to to be like, hey, you know... What are your thoughts or your opinions on some of these things, you know, especially when it comes to cinematography because I didn't have a collaborator in that. Um, yeah. but it's like, you know, I think we found something and, and the fact that our two producers that were on set with us, my wife and then our other producer, Natalie, they were loving everything we were getting. So I, I guess I did, I had to default to them that being like the, the caliber they're holding the film up to, I'm going to trust. Um, oh, is not, it's nice. not necessarily what I'm seeing you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm anxious or nervous about it, but to them, if they're confident in it, I'll trust that it's, it's moving in the right direction. And so that was really good to have two producers on set that creatively, we all agreed upon what we wanted to do and I could trust them. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: What a great lesson though, I think for anyone who works by themselves or maybe doesn't quite know how to build a team. Even just starting with one or two people that you can trust is an
1: excellent place to start. Right. Well, it's so hard to, especially in the LA scene, you have so many people with different egos, with different opinions, and they're bringing a lot of this to the table. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes you think you can collaborate with someone and then you get on set and you realize you're telling two different stories. Um, you know, you have two different projects in your head and I always talk about how shooting a film is a battle against time. Like all you have is time. You have a certain amount of days. You have to either get it or you don't. Those are your two things. And it doesn't matter necessarily. Like It does matter what it looks like. It does matter what you get. But at the end of the day, did you get your day or did you not get your day? And I feel like I've been in those situations where there's been a struggle and a battle between someone I'm collaborating with, we're telling two different stories. And I'm very thankful because I feel like somehow with Pastor's Kid, we all agreed on the type of story we were telling, even the actors. There was never any friction. There was never any battles. We all knew exactly what we were going into and what we were trying to do with this one. So. Yeah. How did you learn how to collaborate? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, Honestly, our first film that we made together made me do it, our horror movie. I feel like that was one where we were just kind of thrown into it. And we had to figure out very quickly, how do we work with different temperaments, different viewpoints? Mm. And that was, I would say over, if if anyone is listening to this that wants to be a filmmaker, get your friends together and go make a feature film. 60 (laughs) minutes. You need to make a 60 to 90 minute film. And do it over weekends with buddies and find those three or four people that you can trust and just go make something because it was so much more of a a school, a film school than going to four years of film school is it's like in, in those days where you're working a 14 hour day and you're tired and you're hungry and you're cold. How do you help be, help your teammates be efficient? How do you be efficient? How do you work together and not just snip at each other all the time? And that was, that was a film that we shot mostly nights. And so Mm -hmm. we were cold and hungry and tired, (laughs) and I still feel like we had a blast making that project and it was just, how do you work together and and use Mm -hmm. each other's strengths to, to grow instead of just having a one track mind for everything. So that film, honestly, I feel like film school teaches you your lane, maybe like what you want to do and kind of stick with that. And I think that can be good and bad, but actually making a film and collaborate like a feature film and collaborating with people. I would also sit here and say shorts are extremely different than feature films. And so if, again, if you can get your friends together and make a 60 to 90 minute project, that's going to be so different than, Oh, over a weekend, we shot a little 5, 10-page thing. And and so anyways, that's been my suggestion to filmmakers. It's almost like, film school's good if you want to do that, but get your friends together and make a film, and that will really tell you, is this something I want to continue to pursue? Is this how I want to do storytelling? But yeah, I, I feel like that is a huge growth for me.
0: Yeah. What's interesting, what you said about film school is great because it helps you pick a lane. Uh, how did you avoid the trap of picking one lane? Because I, I look up to you as someone who can do a lot of different things really well, uh, and so to me that's prized. That's a prized view of someone, as opposed to, yeah, Ben, he's a he's a perfect cinematographer or perfect writer. Uh, I mean, those are great too, but like I'm more of the, give me a really good generalist who tells a great story. You know, like that's to me an amazing thing.
1: Dude. Thank you. That's all. Thank you, Chris. It's good to hear dude. But it's one of these things that it's like, and I go back and forth whether it's the right thing or not, honestly, is like, you because him. it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I have friends who are very successful commercial directors. Okay. Like I know people who are very, very successful com- commercial directors. They don't know how to use a camera. They don't know Damn. how to edit. They don't really know even how to write, but they have a vision and they are able to get a team together and execute it. Now, some of those same people will go and make a short film. And the short films are terrible and horrendous and cause they don't know how to work with actors. They don't know how like in a commercial, it's all about pretty shots. It's all about, you know, your pacing, all of that stuff. And not that it doesn't incorporate in a film, but 30 seconds to a minute is very different than trying yes. to tell a 15 minute story and have a boring shot of two people on a couch. Talk. Like every movie I always say comes down to two people talking in a room. At some point, whether you like it or not, there's a scene of two people just standing and talking to each other, sitting and talking to each other, whatever. And can you make that scene something that audiences are pulled into? Or does it feel forced? Or does it feel hokey? Or does it feel like a lifetime movie? You know, I'm not trying to crap on lifetime movies. I enjoy my fair share of lifetime. But that's where I've seen a lot of people succeed in their one track. And then when they try to cross over into narrative storytelling from the commercial space, there's a, a disconnect, there's a struggle there. And so it may look beautiful. The scene may look awesome, but as soon as the characters open their mouths, you're like, what are we doing here? Like, you know, this, this doesn't, I, 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 that sounds very judgy. So I hope it's not coming off the way, but that's just an area that seems to be uh, a struggle uh, transitioning mm-hmm. over that. It's how do you make those scenes work when you don't have the pretty lights or the pretty lenses? Cause it's not all about that. Um, and so for me, I honestly go back and forth. I'm like, is it better to just pick your lane as the film school way and never touch a camera again and say, I'm full on mm-hmm. director? Or is it better to be the Swiss army knife that can do everything? And I'll just tell you from the independent film side, there is no way you can just pick your lane and go into it. In our current culture, you have to know how to shoot to a certain degree. You have to know how to direct to a certain degree. You have to know how to write to a certain degree. Even maybe it's not writing a full script format, but just having an idea of writing or changing dialogue or scenes on the spot if you need to. And then editing is the huge one is even with our films, Each, not each film, but several of our films have tried to give off to other editors Mm -hmm. and they just kind of poop out a cut. There's no better way to say it. They just poop out (laughs) a cut with like, with like no emotion, no thought of timing, no thought of performance or storytelling. And and, and this is all the people that I can afford. I don't mean to be rude. It's like if I had $20,000 I could throw to an editor, they would get it easy. But in my little space, it's like they're doing the best they can with what they have. They're, you know, doing what they can. But it's like hard because I've given people several of our films. And when it comes back, I'm just like, I'm just going to re-edit this whole thing. And so then I end up re-editing the entire thing. And I could do it a lot quicker because I remember, oh, this take had this, this take had this. You know, this is how we should, you know, get into the scene. Um, And I think that, you know, so in the indie film space, I think it's very important to try to be that jack of all trades or that Swiss army knife in some way. Mm -hmm. If you really want to like write and create a project and take it from start to finish without anybody else's like input. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's starting to be where we get is like, even as we are seeking distribution for this film, we're seeing that less and less indie distributors are interested in these smaller films anymore. Is it's like the indie film scene is even starting to get crunched where they're mm-hmm. like, unless you have a TV actor, that's been in a ton of ton of things that is hugely known, or, you know, it hits this, you know, this topic we're wanting to hit this year. They're just not interested anymore. I even heard of a statistic and this could be wrong. Please fact check me. But they said the f- 70 or 80% of the films at Sundance this year already had distribution before wow. they even went to Sundance. So that shows that like the indie fa- space is being so crunched nowadays where it's like, you don't even have a chance anymore. And so that's yeah. where it's like, if you truly want to tell your own story and want to get things out, you have to be willing to learn and grow as, as things are happening. So, right. yeah. Anyways. Well,
0: And I hear too, cause this is the way my brain works. It's just like, I can I can then try to force myself to play by that that game, the rules of that game, or I can just be like, let's make let's just get in a bulldozer and make our own four lane highway here, right? right. You know, and and see what happens. And I think I, I think that's going to happen more and more because indie is just another word for professional studios now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think that's what's so exciting is I think you're going to see more and more voices that are these unique voices and stories that we're seeing coming out of this micro budget level. And I'm hoping that that can help kind of create a little bit of a revolution in a way. It's like, what is it during Scorsese and Spielberg and uh, who else was in that team? De Palma, some of those other guys Lucas, freaking. Yeah. yeah, Lucas, back in the day, there was this like revolution of these indie f- filmmakers, like all of a sudden telling these stories that we hadn't seen before in certain mm-hmm. ways, from certain points of view. and there's a little revolution because the big movies were failing, right? They kept tanking. Yeah. And so they were started bringing in these young voices. And I feel like what we're seeing nowadays with superhero fatigue and these big franchises just tanking. People are wanting different stories to be told. Audiences are proving that they're looking for different stories to be told. Mm -hmm. And so my hope is that the more voices are able to get out there and tell these stories, like for us, for instance, you know, we're telling a film that could be easily put in the category of Christian film, right? I'm hoping when people watch our film, they don't necessarily even see it as like a quote unquote Christian film, that it's just a movie about someone wrestling with their faith and wrestling with belief. And the more and more we can have these films kind of come out that kind of break genre tropes or don't quite fit into the box, I think we're going to see a revolution in the industry the same way we saw with Lucas and all of those Mm -hmm. guys. It's like, dude, do you think about Taxi Driver? And it's like, I guess you could say Joker (laughs) with Joaquin Phoenix was kind of Taxi Driver, but it's like that was kind of almost a – I like the movie. It was like almost a blatant remake of Taxi Driver in some (laughs) ways with some other Scorsese thrown in, you know? But it's like you wouldn't see those types of films you don't you just don't see those as much anymore right. coming out and so I'm hoping that these young scrappy filmmakers, if more of us are just making things and putting it out that that will be what changes the industry so right. yeah,
0: well, and I hope it just doesn't become to be fodder mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know or or YouTube fodder or just another piece of content to you know get an add on to it
1: right, right. And that's honestly, like with that, (laughs) I've been trying to change my mentality a little bit that, um, to be is like the new YouTube in my head. It's like YouTube for (laughs) feature films. And so whenever I make a feature film, just be thinking about like, how do I make it efficiently, quickly and cheaply? to just let it go out on Tubi and get the <laughs> amount of audience that we can get. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's like not every film needs a theatrical release, like what we're doing with pastor's kid and not every film do we have budgets for things like that. But right. the hope is if we build enough audience, that is that Tubi audience, you know, maybe you could make a successful, uh, you know, distribution yeah. platform of like, Hey, here's two more of our movies come out and it gives you the freedom to make whatever you feel like making and the right. stories you want to tell if you have that audience that's willing to show up. So. Yeah. Well and I, but, and
0: I think that's the 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 mindset shift from just making a film here and there to I'm making an ecosystem. I'm making mm-hmm. a, a a studio in a sense where a studio is more than just the films. It's the brand, it's the marketing, it's the podcasts, it's the websites, it's the content right, right. that builds the foundation
1: that holds up the films. Right. I mean, an A24 is the perfect example of like a modern studio that mm-hmm. like, you know, you show up for an A24 film because it's an A24 film is it doesn't even necessarily matter exactly <laughs> the story that's being told all the time. And they do a great job marketing, but sometimes I'll like watch the trailer of one of their movies and I go see the movie and I'm like, you lied to me. You tricked <laughs> me. But still, it's like if you yeah. go in just excited to experience something different then, you know, you get something different. And that's for me where I feel like I've even been going back to like older films because I'm so tired of like something new is up for free on Hulu or on Netflix or whatever. And I watch it and you you sit through an hour and a half. And you're just like, well, that did nothing for me in any way uh, because they're cranking out so much, you know, content. And you're over here just like I've been going back to older stuff that makes me feel something or is told in a different way. And that's even with Pastor's Kid. That's what's so... <laughs> We watched it, like I said, my wife and I said, we watched the film before it went out for theaters because they're converting it for theaters. So we watched it one last time, and I'm just over here like, it is so different, not even just that we're an R-rated film with language and some of those things, just in how like, how we told the story is as if like a documentary was just dropped into this girl's everyday life. And I'm just like, that is, is so fresh for mm. both, not only the Christian scene, but I also feel like the like general audience scene. And so if right. we can find, if, if people are excited about some something new or a different way of telling stories, go in expecting something different and something nice. more art house. Um, and you'll be, I think you'll be really pleased with what you come out with, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, I think you'll come out excited with, oh, they did something different. They tried something different than traditional storytelling. And even on our website, I, you, you helped us on our website. Thank you, Chris. But I had a, a question on our website that said, like, what is Christian Art House? And I think my line is just like, <laughs> yeah. it's just a weird movie, guys. It's just told in a weird way. Like, you know, just come in with that expectation of it yeah. just being different and you'll be fine. If you go for the ride, you'll be fine. But even some of our, we had one reviewer watch it and they come from the Christian film world. And they did not like the film. I'd say the I'm gonna tell you the bulk of people really like what we tried on this film. But one Christian reviewer watch it and did not like it. And what I found is that I think if you come in with the expectation of it being another traditional Christian film, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Mm-hmm. If you come in with the expectation of like, I'm not going to hold anything to this. I'm not going to come in with any like prerequisites or thoughts of what it's going to be. And you, you go for a ride in the story. That's where we're getting these quotes and things from people saying one of the most powerful films I've ever seen. One mm, of the, you know, yeah. this is, you know, completely different. And that's where I'm hoping that our audience who shows up, our theater films in theaters, March 15th, dude, that's what we're doing. March 15th. It. If, People show up. I hope that I say just come in with an open mind because we got some weird stuff. We're going to take you through for the next hour (laughs) and a half. So (laughs) how
0: do you, how do you handle the, the bad reviews, the, the, the reviews that say you've
1: missed the mark. Oh, terribly. Absolutely. Terribly. I get so depressed for like days and then I'll like debrief with my wife. Like, what did they not like about it? And you're over here. Like what's so mind blowing is we intentionally went to make a film that was different and outside the box, okay? then I get mad and sad and frustrated when people don't like that it's different and outside the box. And so that's (laughs) something that's totally a me thing. That's just like, you know, and my mom, I love my mom, but she's like, you know, you gotta have tough skin with these reviews. And you're like, thanks mom. It's a lot easier said than done. Cause you're just like, I poured years of my life into this thing. you know, we literally carried it up my back on my back up like a hill to get it here. Even the theatrical release has been like a whole journey to like get the film in theaters. And, uh, and then it's just like, Oh, you gotta have tough skin. You're like, thanks mom mom it doesn't do anything but no I think um I got your genetics yes (laughs) yes but you're just over here kind of like you just have to take is it better to make a film and get it out there and have some people like it or hate it or Mm. is it better just to never make a film and that's the that's the struggle is like and I think there's some people who think I want to be a filmmaker um when really they really just like movies a lot And I think that there's a difference there is like, there's a difference in enjoying a movie, enjoying the technicality of a movie, enjoying how it's been together and putting yourself out there to be criticized and on every single aspect of the film. And thankfully I've, you know, I've gotten used to, we, we had different cuts of the film that we sent out to audiences and got reviews. And so that really helps me get used to like, Oh, as a filmmaker, am I failing the audience by not giving Mm -hmm. them enough information or giving them too much information or anything Mm -hmm. like that? And it's that dance of like trying to find where like, I'm not failing the audience by my own ego that I'm putting into this film, but I'm giving enough of the audience, something to hold on to and grasp to. And and like, even this, like, this is a good example is we showed the film to a producer. And in the intro, there's a scene I'm going to spoil it a little bit where our character is roofied at a bar. And so she's having, and it's not really explained. It's just, you open up on her in a bar, like looking weird and dancing weird and all these traumatic events start popping up, you know, in her life. And, um, we had this producer who's kind of a veteran producer, watch the film. He loved the film, but he goes. You're telling this very art house movie that's just weird. He's like, he, and he, he told us, he's like, it's just weird. And the, the pacing you're doing is kind of all over the place. It's this everyday life. I get that. He goes, but we need something grounded in the mm-hmm. first like five minutes of the movie. And so he's like, how do we establish that her mom is a pastor at a church in some way? Her mom had, you know, struggles and traumas growing up, you know, and a couple other things. And so last minute I called up our actress who played the mom and I was like, can we film, you know, a quick like scene with you, like addressing some of these things. And she's all the way up in Canada. So we weren't able to actually film. I'm like, like can you <laughs> record these things? So I wrote a little, little script and she recorded it. I dropped it in, in the first 15 minutes it's like, or five minutes. It's like a little voiceover. And, oh, um, cool. sent it back to the same producer and he's like, you did it. You're good to go. And that's nice. where it's like, I love that he was like, you, if as long as we establish and ground something in that first act, that first like 10 minutes, five minutes, then you could do whatever you want for the rest of the film. And we'll track along with you because now we know what the story is and the lanes that we're kind of in. Mm-hmm. But, uh, if you don't do that, then we're just lost the entire time. And so that was really helpful to get from somebody, not just this like, ah, it's weird or ah, it doesn't work, but give a real like note of Hey, here's a suggestion on how to fix this problem. And ever since we did that, people have really connected with the film. And like oh, that's, that's where cool. our reviews have come in, is from that cut of the film where people are like praising this movie. Like someone was even like, they're like, they hope that it revolutionizes the faith film industry. <laughs> and that and I think it's putting a little too much pressure on the movie. So don't come into it thinking <laughs> we're doing it. But I was just like, even hearing that that's how it was like impacting somebody is that they were having that yeah. feeling. Show like that's those are the reviews I keep going back to to be like, it is good. People do like it they do get what you're trying to do so yeah
0: i love the intentional language that you're using as well of they do like it they don't like it how have you learned to separate the product from you as ben the director
1: you know and i think it's been honestly getting those bad reviews has been really helpful yeah just to be like this isn't a personal attack this is um and and I you feel it too. I'm sure there's times you watch a movie for the first time. Like there's a movie by A24 called The Green Knight. I'll use this as an example. Mm-hmm. I saw the Green Knight in theaters and I hated it. I really did not like the Green Knight. And then afterwards I came home and I let it process and I let it sit for a while. And um and I read a few things online just about the actual story and things like that. And then I went and bought the movie on Blu-ray, you know, put it up on this on my screen here in my studio and watched it again. I loved it. And that's where I think also just being willing to sit here and say, someone may not get it on the first viewing. Someone may have an expectation they're coming. Cause that's what was with me in the green Knight. I had an expectation coming into what this movie was. The movie was very different than the expectation I had. So I walked out offended that like it didn't meet my mm-hmm. expectation. And then I sat with it and it, and it grew over time and you know, it was it was incubating in my brain over time. And then I watched it again, and I loved I loved it. I loved the story it was trying to tell. I loved where it got to at the end. I loved what was talking about he, with humanity. And so I feel like Pastor's Kid, we are very much playing in that same sand, A24-type sandbox, I would say, as a way we're telling a story that's so completely different than what audiences are going to expect. And so my hope is that even someone who watches a film for the first time, if they're like offended or if they don't get it or they didn't like it, that over time as it kind of incubates and they think about it, that they'll say, oh, that's how that connected to this. And, oh, mm-hmm. this is why this triggered this. And, oh, that's why this is this way. Um, you know, and, and they'll grow to appreciate the film that we're doing something differently instead yeah. of just doing the same thing. Because especially, you know, and I hate to keep going back to the Christian genre because I feel like, but that's what we're being pigeonholed into. That's what we're being put right. into. So for me, I'm kind of like, if you want that story where in the first five minutes the girl is saved and clean and then she goes off and does all this stuff, there's a bazillion Christian movies that you can go see that are PG and family friendly and tell that story. And they're there and that's fine. That's great that they exist for you if that's what your temperament is and that's what you need at the moment. Our film is not that story. And so I hope that if you watch our film that you can sit here and say, these things can both coexist, that it doesn't need mm-hmm. to be that our film is wrong or evil or bad because we didn't conform to that like family friendly view or Correct. that like quickly redeemed thing. And and honestly, it's been crazy to see the feedback because we've gotten two or three comments of people being like, why is it our raid? And I don't like that it has this and blah, blah, blah. But the majority of people, sit here and say, well, the Bible's R-rated. We'll get comments coming back. They're like, the Bible's already Life is R-rated. And I think that's where it's hard for us was like, we literally had pr- Christian producers say, clean up this movie, make it PG, and it'll be a huge success of a film. And the story it's based mm-hmm. on is a real friend of mine. And I was like, I can't do that. I have to honor her story and what she actually went through, what she actually experienced, how this culture, this drug culture talks. They don't just sit here and say, oh, gosh, darn. They're mm-hmm. talking the way real people Talk And yes, we could absolutely make this film with no language or, you know, any of these things. We could have done that. And it could still have been a powerful film. I'm not crapping on films that do that by any means. But this one, we felt conviction that to honor her story, we had to tell it as close to realism as possible. And, and there's some people that maybe they shouldn't go see it because if that offends them then right. just don't go see it. And that's okay. I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and say you're a bad person for not liking our R-rated <laughs> Faith movie. But if you can go in with this idea of like, I'm going in not to just be entertained, but to also be informed of this culture and what she's being hopefully brought out of, then I think that you can enjoy the film and, and, mm-hmm. and sit here and say, we're not sitting here saying using potty words or acting in this way are <laughs> doing those things. We're not trying to sit here and say, yeah, just go do that. That's exactly how you should be in life. It's like, no, we're just trying to show this culture and allow people to pull away what they want to from that experience. So.
0: What do you think little Benjamin Coppin would think of who you've become and the work that you do today?
1: What's insane is I think I'm the same kid that ran around with a VHS camera with his brother making stupid videos as I am now and I would say that there is a season in between there when I when we were like in LA LA working in the industry when I was in film school where I doubted that kid is where I sat here. I went to film school and they sit here and say, you can't run around and just make movies. You need this person and this person and this person. You can't be an all around person that's doing everything. You need all these crew members and they cost money. You need to have an LLC to do your film. You need to have a insurance company. You need to have this. It's like, you know what I mean? Once you get to like the nuts and bolts and then you actually get into the actual film industry, And it's a lot of that same kind of stuff because I was more on the business side rather than the production side. Mm -hmm. And they would just be like mind blown when we're able to shoot something for no money or come up with an idea. And, you know, I feel like getting a little bit removed from some of those aspects and having our own business and doing it all all ourselves, our own production company. um, It's been kind of like screw everyone else's opinion and screw what everyone else says. We're going to do it ourselves. And that's the mentality that I had as young Benjamin growing up. I'll tell you. Just, so my son mm-hmm. is a lot like me. I have a, a seven-year-old son. His name's Ezekiel. He's a lot like wow. me. Creative, he's seven? Oh, my seven. gosh. Dude, he's big. He's crazy, All right, <laughs> It's insane. But he's a lot like me. He's creating all the time. He loves creating all types of stuff. He doesn't really care what people think about him necessarily. And so I was telling him, I was like, oh, yeah, our movie Pastor's Kid, you know, people are giving these notes about it being too dark. And, you know, I'm telling him, you know, he hasn't seen the movie. It's too dark. He actually acts in the movie in some scenes as uh, young Luke in the film. He's like the younger brother. But um, that was when he was like a little baby, but uh, a toddler. But, um, you know, I was telling him all these frustrations of like Christian producers kind of crapping on our movie. You know, it's struggling to find a home. And he immediately, without a skipping beat, goes, why don't you start your own distribution company and just put out the movie yourself? (laughs) And I'm just like, that's kind of what we're doing, Zeke. Like, (laughs) good." And that's, you know what I mean? It's just like, as a kid, it's like, I can learn anything. I can do anything. No one can tell me what I can and can't do creatively. If I want my Spider-Man to fight my Superman toy, I don't care that one's from Marvel and one's from DC. It doesn't matter. You know, and I think that... As a creative, I had to get back to that child mentality. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I'm so thankful with over the last, what, four years, how many, we just keep making films, we keep having stuff come out, and this is our biggest release that we've done as a company with Pastor's Kid. Um, and I'm just so thankful to be where I'm at now because I think it totally aligns with the kid I was running mm-hmm. around with that VHS camera. So Yeah.
0: Well, I love that. Yeah. It's It's almost as if we're all trying to return to who we were as a kid and mm-hmm. what we believed about ourselves because the world right. has a pretty powerful tool to like pound us into submission and to i think become someone we're not
1: right and i think even nowadays like in the beauty of the you know, like there's pros and cons to the internet but i hate this idea of someone telling you you don't know this or you can't do this because Mm -hmm. I'm just going to tell you, and if someone is listening to this, if there is something you want to do, you can absolutely learn it and you can be just as good as the person telling you that you can't. It just takes time. It takes hours of learning and you have to commit to I'm going to figure out For us, it was being a distribution company. I'm going to read everything I can on self-distributing films. I'm going to figure out how to do VOD and get films out on VOD. I'm going to figure out DVD and physical media. I'm going to figure out theatrical release. and Even the theatrical release, every step of the way has been so hard doing this Mm -hmm. first film. There's just things I didn't know. and Just like when I made my first feature film, there's things I wouldn't have learned unless I did it with this film going into theaters, I wouldn't have learned it unless I did it. And so mm. I would just highly suggest if there's anything that you are creative about or anything you want to do, you can absolutely learn it. You just have to take the hours. There's no no one is smarter than you. No one knows the secret sauce that you don't know. You can learn it and do it. And your point of view and what you're bringing to the table is your superpower. So don't let anyone sit here and say, oh, you can't do it or you can't figure it out because they don't know what they're talking about. That's just mm. their ego trying to pump them up instead of, you know, building other people up. So I think, and that's where it's hard. It's exactly what you're saying. The world will sit here and tell you, you can't do this, 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 and this, this, and that's just completely a lie. So.
0: Absolutely. Well, Ben, this is, this has been amazing hearing this, this journey, this story. And I'm curious at what point did you start dreaming about
1: what's next? You mean after pastor's kid or with pastor's kid? Okay. After. After. Oh boy. Well, and that's the hope is like, honestly, like I'm in this phase, like we have four more films coming out um, <laughs> that we have in posts of different kinds. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, we have two, two kind of thrillers that are more adult oriented and two family comedies that we just did for fun. Um, and so we now, with our distribution company, we have all those relationships. We have a VOD contact to get it out on all the VOD platforms. We have physical media to put the film out in DVD and Blu-ray and like Best Buy and Walmart websites and things like that. Um, and then, you know, we now have this theatrical uh, relationship. And so the goal is if, if Pastor's Kid is successful, um with its theatrical run coming up here march 15th the movies in theaters just by the way um, oh, when, when was that when, again uh, it was march oh what is it the 15th yes in select theaters so <laughs> well what's really cool is i think i might have told you this is if it's successful march 15th we get expanded to more theaters oh, and nice. so it can continue to grow we're trying to keep rolling it in right so um that's kind of my thing is i'm just like geez if this movie is a success are there other through the through our theatrical release? Are there other films we have that we might want to take this route on them? Like even our silly family films. Like mm-hmm. I can't even. I, I've heard that um, in the next four to six months, they're saying um, theaters are going to be kind of dry because of the um, the strikes last year. Is yeah. that you're not going to see as many quality films getting pushed out, and so theaters are going to be a little bit dry. So I'm over here like, if Pastor's Kid is a success in theaters March 15th, then. Then we could release other, might be able to release other films through that that we're wrapping up currently. And that could be our new way that we do our, our own releasing is that we do a, a short window through theatrical, and then we immediately follow up with DVD and VOD. So that's kind of my view of the future. I honestly have no idea how it's actually all going to turn out. Um, mm-hmm. it, the movie could go out and it could completely tank <laughs> and we not make our money back, or it could go out and blow up and be a huge success. Or it could be somewhere in the middle where it's like, Oh, right. for us, it's a success, but for Hollywood, it's like, eh, they made, you know, nothing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, dude, I feel like right now my all of my sites are on that theatrical release and what doors that could open up for us. And if they don't, we still have more films that we want to make and that we're shooting and we're doing. So we have a film called Alien Attack that we're wrapping up right now, and it's a found footage family alien film. Nice. And uh, it's two <laughs> podcasters live next to Area 51 and try to uncover the secrets. My son plays the alien in the movie, so that just lets you know <laughs> what we're doing.
0: <laughs> I love it. But, I love it so much. Well, Ben, this has been such a phenomenal time. Is there... I mean, you shared a ton of wisdom already. Is there a bit of wisdom you would love to leave people with? Other than I will not make any more boring art.
1: Yes, yes. I have a picture on my wall that just says, I will not make any more boring art over and over again. And it's, I stole it from someone. There's some real artist that did it and <laughs> I just copied it and did my own piece with it. But yeah, I think just keep creating. And I, oh, this would be my thing. Okay, this would be my advice. Find a day job of some kind, whether it's commercial video work, whether it's shooting wedding videos, whatever you need to do, and pay your bills with that. And then on your weekends and in your free time, create whatever you want. That is, that is at least my approach to things is like, like pitching to Netflix, pitching to Hulu, creating all these documents, doing all this stuff. There's just so many people in my mind that, and again, I could be wrong. So just say, screw you, Ben. I don't agree. I'm going to do the opposite because it could work for you. But I just know there are so many voices and so many people trying to pitch into these worlds that, and there's only a certain amount of slots for them to actually make it. Whereas if you are self-sustainable and you're paying your bills with a job, you can create whatever you want and find your voice. And then when it becomes time to pitch, you'll know who you are as a creative, as opposed Mm -hmm. to just trying to like, I don't know, funnel things through the system. So
0: what I love about that advice, though, is even the way that you framed a nine to five job, Mm -hmm. like there's still a world of uncertainty in that Mm because, you know, you're a freelancer at that point doing commercial projects because up here in this neck of the woods, a nine to five job is like, you're going to go work in a cubicle. You're going to work in an office completely unrelated to what you're doing. So again, I like how you're connecting it to what you're wanting to
1: accomplish. Um, well, you just don't put put all
0: your art. You don't put all the art eggs in the same basket.
1: And what's really cool is think about this is if you're working in that cubicle and you make good relationships in that cubicle, Will your boss let you film on the weekends in that cubicle? And is that a new location you can get for your film that you wouldn't have had if you didn't work in that cubicle job? We're, we're talking about a project, um, doing a new film called Youth Pastor, or not Youth Pastor, um, Worship Pastor, about a worship leader friend of mine. And he's an actor. and you know, And, and I'm just over here like he has access to a church that we could go film at. And if he can get the thumbs up, We could go film there for free and have all these free locations that we could Mm -hmm. run around and film and tell this kind of dramedy story about a worship pastor, you know, wrestling with faith or, you know, how they're expressing their things. A lot of the stuff he's brought up to me in his own life of like, you know, when I go out, am I being fake when I'm Mm -hmm. doing these songs or some of these things? And not that he is, I'm not trying to like, like put him down anyway, but I think that's a beautiful Mm -hmm. struggle that people could relate to. And so, Anyways, that's where for him, you know, I'm like, Hey, can we use your locations and that ad production value? So wherever you're at, it's like, right. be thinking, how can I use this and form a story around my experiences instead of being like, you know, I can't tell the story unless I have, you know, a spaceship, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. no, it's like, what's a beautiful story. You could tell in a cubicle, you know? So
0: how could you turn your backyard into a spaceship? Dude? Yeah. You yeah. The
1: passengers. No. Yeah. 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 Here you go. We're talking about we're doing our alien attack and we're talking about a second one and we're talking about building an alien uh, jail in my garage and my son's super stoked about it. So, we may be building an alien jail in my garage at some point. But yeah, dude.
0: Well, final question for you. Is there a movie or a podcast or song that you're just loving right now?
1: Dude, let me see.
0: Um, what's a good movie? Oh, I've Apart honestly been pastor's in, kid on March 15th. Yeah, pastor's Select kid March
1: 15th. That's right. I'm honestly watching through Lord of the Rings again. I know that sounds maybe a little cliche, but anytime I need there just to be like evil and good and like mm-hmm. good triumphs over evil, like right now, my world is so chaotic with uh, the movie and just everything going on with it that I'm just like, I just need some hobbits delivering a ring and destroying <laughs> the evil of the world. um on the so that's been one that i've been really i've been going through those lately i've been trying to watch the extended edition again because i got them on blu-ray they're really long chris they're really like like i and i sit here and i keep like trying to rationalize in my head like i want to be in this middle earth longer and then you watch it, just like two towers with those Ents, man it just keeps going you're like just go fight but anyway so i've been watching through those just to give me some you know uh easy clarity. The, another one is Peter Berg. If you know the filmmaker, Peter Berg, who did Friday night lights. Um, he actually had a handful of movies I hadn't seen of his, so I bought them and I've been watching through those. I love the way he shoots everything handheld and just very organic. And so one was deep water horizon and uh, lone survivor is I hadn't seen those. And so I got those and those, I just love the way that the naturalism that he tells stories and he doesn't follow traditional, like, acts necessarily even things are a little bit more jumbled all over the place and so like I rewatch Friday Night Lights too just to like get you know in the zone and thinking about you know I love I I think the way he tells stories is exactly what I'm talking about without like it's entertainment, but it's also information into a world that you're not used to, like Deepwater Horizon an oil rig. I'm so the I'm the furthest thing from an oil <laughs> rig worker, but you're like you know anyway. So I love those types of filmmakers that are doing that. So Peter Berg is a good one that I've been jumping to lately, just to be like, it's okay to tell stories differently. You know what I right. mean? And whether they connect or not is between the audience and the product. It's not it's not you. You know yeah. so.
0: You know well. I was blown away by the whale. Uh, I still
1: haven't seen the whale. I,
0: I waited uh, until I just was looking for a movie to watch the other morning, and it hit me hard.
1: Really, I mean, it
0: was the the story check, the technical choices check. I mean, just that straight down to the aspect ratio
1: oh, dude. Of like, yeah, like yeah. uh, the Academy it's four, ratio. It's like it's four, three. Four, 3 Yeah,
0: yeah. So, it, so you just feel all of the decisions add to the weight. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, uh, yeah character's life. Uh, so that that's the one that I've watched lately that just blew my mind.
1: Dude, I'm going to have to put it. We, we, we're going to see it in theaters, but when we get a date night, sometimes you're like, do I want to see a depressing movie or do I need to see something more lighthearted? <laughs> yeah. But, dude, I'll have to check that out. I'll tell you this. This is on the, the opposite side. Have you seen Wonka yet? No. Okay. I, and I'm probably overhyped it. <laughs> I loved Wonka. Absolutely. I walked it. and I was just so happy. I smiled and cried from start to finish, and it was just... <laughs> It just was. It's the guy who directed the Paddington movies that are mm-hmm. really solid, and yeah. it just, anyways, I loved it. I loved every aspect of it. So, like, it was like Into the Spider Verse was was like one of my tops last year, and then Wonka was another one that I was like, nice. These are two that are going to stick with me. So
0: that's awesome. Anyways, well, Ben, thank you so much for being a guest on Getting Work to Work. Eight years later, we get to have another conversation Dude. for people to enjoy, and um, just thank you for providing an example of a different way to do things because yeah. uh, it's, I, it does not go unnoticed by me. I oh, I sit dear. here taking notes cause I I need better examples of people who are doing it Dude, thank uh, you, in man. their
1: own way. And thank you for all this. Chris designed our pastor's kid website and he did an amazing job and he's been very supportive over the years. So if you need an amazing website, go to Chris Martin cause he <laughs> is the guy, but Thank you, Chris. Dude, no, it's and thank you for sharing stuff like that because honestly, like I'm alone in my garage so much. Yeah. <laughs> just working on projects <laughs> and editing and you're just like, Does anyone notice or care? And so it's just like, thanks, man. And you're inspiring too. Just have I mean, you show me how to do all the newsletters, how to do all these things. And it's just like you have so much going as well. So I just want to say thank you for doing all that you do and being an inspiration for me to be like, Oh, here's a way to build a community and a creative community and just keep yeah. at it, dude. So thank you for all you do. That's the fun part,
0: is building the community and Mm -hmm. transcending audience into community.
1: Dude, 100%. 100%. I love that, man.
0: As you can probably tell, independent media matters to me. And if you want to support new voices like Ben's telling unique and interesting stories, there is a tangible action you can take today. Head to pastorskidthemovie.com or find the link at gwtwco 763 and find out how to bring the film to your city on March 15th. You can go to the Demand It page where you'll find several lists of actions you can take today. Additionally, you can use the contact form on the contact page to tell Ben the city you're in so that he can add it to the list. But the most important action to take is this, buy tickets and see the film. And if you're in the Portland, Oregon area, I will see you there. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.